and they were getting their meal, and they started to dance to the music that James was playing. And uh, it was just awesome in light of the text this week where they're eating and dancing and celebrating of the Father's love. I thought, how beautiful is this that our outreach team is enjoying the gospel so much that they're embodying that to this community. And they're doing so in a way that they themselves are eating and dancing and having a great time. So if you didn't, we had put up some pictures on social media. You can see those things there. But it just filled my heart to overflowing. And um, it was a great time. So thank you to our outreach team. And this week with Marvelously Made Day, I think some of you have some shirts on that say Marvelously Made Saturday. That is going to be a fantastic time. If you can, please come and uh, invite others because it'll be a very special time. You'll hear more about that at the end of the service today. Luke chapter 15. Some of you have heard of the Tim Ferriss podcast. The Tim Ferriss podcast is uh, second only to Joe Rogan. So Joe Rogan is the most famous podcast in the world right now, the most popular, and then comes uh, Tim Ferriss. He does what they call long-form interviews. So sometimes they can last an hour and a half, three hours, usually with celebrities or um, people who play sports, movie stars, whoever it might be. And he's always asking them lots of questions, basically to say, how, how can we get to to the point where we can learn from you and just how you've approached life so that maybe we can experience some of the things that you're experiencing. And he really tries to get into their belief system and how they think. And at the end of almost every interview, he'll often ask if, if you had a billboard that you could put up in the most trafficked part of town where it's uh, tons of people are driving by and walking by and you could get your message across, what would be a brief message that you would put up on a billboard? And so some of them said this, especially if, if we think of the story of the prodigal son. Jerry Seinfeld was being interviewed. For any of you Seinfeld fans? Okay. I love Seinfeld. Uh, he said, well, I would put up, just do the work. That's what my billboard would say. Just do the work. He said, because you have to real, realize there is nobody that's going to help you. You've got to do it alone. So just do the work would be my motto. And I think if the prodigal son saw that billboard, when his life was a wreck and it was a mess, he would say, I tried to do the work. And I realized I was alone. So I tried to do the work and it did not work. Uh, another individual, Kevin Seistrom, who is, uh, was an entrepreneur, co-founder of something you've probably heard of, Instagram. Uh, Tim Ferriss asked him, what would you put, uh, put up on your billboard? And he would say, follow your passion. That's the, that's the message he wants to get across. And in many ways, I'm sure that's fine advice in certain contexts. But the prodigal son would probably say, well, I followed my passion. And it destroyed my life. Destroyed my heart. Uh, he had a really famous winning coach on there by the name of Coach George Raveling. At the end of the interview, uh, they asked him, what would you put up on your billboard and that coach said this, um, again, perhaps good advice in other uh, sectors, perhaps not spiritually, but his message on his billboard is going to be this, if it's going to be, it's up to me. And just imagine if you told the prodigal son that when he's at his lowest point, when he's at his dirtiest point, his most degraded point, his most humiliated point. Prodigal son, if it's going to be, it's up to you. 
And what's amazing is the son has learned his lessons as he's been away in the far country, that he's ruined his heart, ruined his life, and he's realizing that his only hope is if he goes back to his father. And so the question is, how will the father respond when he sees him coming home? Well, let's stand for the reading of God's word and find out together. We're going to start in verse 20 and go through verse 24. How will the father respond? Verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. God's word to you this morning who's given it to you because he loves you and he wants you to know him. Let's pray. Father, show us again the glory of your grace and mercy and compassion that you've ultimately shown to us in and through your son, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, help us to see the height, width, depth, and breadth of the Father's love to us in Christ. We ask it in his name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, I want to, us to look at briefly the love of the Father, the restoration of the Son, and lastly, one I'm really excited about is the party. The love of the Father, the restoration of the Son, and the party. I want to look first at the love of the Father. One of the things that you see right off the bat is what the Father sees. Notice in verse 20, it said, He arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. I love this. One of those things that the implication of this text is that the father was not simply looking for his son occasionally. That every now and then, every third or fourth day, the father might glance into the, the distance of the far country and say, I wonder if my son's going to come home today. And it wasn't occasionally that he would look, nor was it maybe accidentally that he saw his son. That he was outside mowing the grass, uh, watering the flowers, who knows what he was doing. And it just so happened that while he was doing that, he was admiring a uh, you know, good view of the sunset or something like that. And all of a sudden he sees his son coming home. It wasn't an occasional look of the father. It wasn't an accidental look of the father. I think it was very much the case with this father that he was faithful in looking for his son. That he was intentional about looking for his son. I don't know if it was all day, every day, but I would say it was consistent enough that he regularly looked out to the horizon wondering if his son was going to come home. And this is the day that the son comes home. He sees his son. He's faithfully and intentionally been looking for him, and now it says he sees his son a far distance off coming home. 
But what does he see about his son? He sees that his son has been weakened by the far country. That his son has become filthy in the far country. That he's become weak. He is not himself, but he is coming home to his father. The father sees his son in all of his guilt, in all of his sin, in all of his brokenness, in all of his filth, and he sees his son coming. Now, if he sees him like that, you wonder what's going through the father's heart. What's going through the father's mind? I'm sure through the, through the son's mind is, how's my father going to respond? What's he going to do? How does he feel right now? What's he going to feel in his heart when he sees me? And I love that the text is very clear about what it says that the father feels. And in order to help, I think, allow it to hit us more, I think it's important to contrast it with what it, it says he does not feel. Okay? So he sees his son a far way off. We don't, we don't know how long it's been. It's probably been a reasonable amount of time. And it could say that he felt anger and condemnation. In other words, and he's felt that for so long that he put a billboard of his up on the road outside of town saying, son, if you get this message, you are never welcome home. You turn your back and walk away because if I ever see you, I'm turning my back and I'm walking away. It'll take a little bit bigger billboard for that message, but the father's going to put it there because that's what he feels. Anger and condemnation. But that billboard is not there, and that's not what the text says. That's what the father felt. Nor does it say the father, seeing his son from a long distance off, felt humiliation. Son, you humiliated me in front of the whole community. You are not welcome back home. And when I see you, I feel humiliation because of what you did to our family. Nor did he put up a billboard in frustration saying, if you come home, I bet it's only going to be for more money. And you're going to try to deceive me and say you're sorry, but really what you want is just more of what I have so you can go squander it in the far country yet again. And I love that it says that the father saw the son coming and he didn't feel condemnation. Didn't feel humiliation. Or even frustration. Just let these powerful words land on your heart this morning as we begin, we look in verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt, what's it say? Felt compassion. I mean, it tells us, Jesus, as he tells this story, is saying this is what the Father feels inside. Not just what he's showing on the outside, but in his heart, this is what he feels. That's why I've mentioned already this morning, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. God is, is really, it's a similar story in the Old Testament of the prodigal son. Israel is the prodigal son. And through the prophet Isaiah, God is saying, I'm waiting to show you mercy. I long in my heart to show you compassion. Turn back to me. The father is, is coming to the son. The son has turned back to the father and it says that he has felt compassion for his son. And just to say it explicitly, we can say the word compassion, but what, what does it really mean? Well, in scripture, it's this it's interesting word that, that means our, our insides. 
It's a deep heart level desire to show mercy. That's what the father feels. If the son is walking home going, what's going to go through my father's heart when he sees me? How's he going to feel? What's he going to say? A deep heart level desire is in the father to show mercy. That's what the father feels. But what does the father do? It says he saw him a long way off. He felt compassion. You'll notice that there's no hesitation. I wonder if the father even took time to put on his Nikes or his Hoka's. Or his sandals, more likely, in that culture. Maybe he just started running barefoot. Who knows? But I think it was very quickly that it says the father saw him, felt compassion, and ran to his son. What's staggering about that, in that culture, it was very undignified and dishonoring for an older man to run. You don't do that. The younger run to the older in that culture. Not the other way around. But not for this father. He sees his son and he feels compassion. And so the father is running to his son. And notice it doesn't just say that he ran. It says that he came and he embraced. There's no pointed finger. There's no scowl on his face. You know, if you remember his job that he had for quite some time is he was trying to fix things on his own. Remember, if it's going to be, it's up to me. The son believed that for a little while when he saw that billboard and he said, I got to fix this. So I got to feed these pigs. It was a horrible job. It didn't just make him dirty physically, but ceremonially in the Jewish culture, it made you unclean. And here he is ceremonially unclean. He stinks, he smells, he reeks, his clothes are tattered, he doesn't really have any shoes. If they do, they're falling apart. And the father doesn't say, go take a shower and then I'll give you a hug. You stink. There's no cleaning yourself up before you come running home. The father embraced him. Embraced all of him. And you'll notice that it also says that he didn't just run to him and embrace him, but he kissed him. A sign of belonging. A sign of reconciliation. A sign of nearness. Closeness. Tenderness. You know, that's one of the things that sin did in the prodigal son's heart and that sin will do in our hearts is it will go on a smear campaign. And it will try to convince you there's no life with the Father. There's no joy with the Father. There's no fullness with the Father. You have to look for that somewhere else. And sin convinced the prodigal son and it often convinces us to take that same journey to say, well, I can't trust him to give me life and joy and fullness, so I'll look for it anywhere else. And then when the son's life becomes a mess and our hearts become hardened and a mess, sin also goes on a smear campaign and says, the father will never take you back. He will condemn you. He will turn his back on you. He'll be harsh towards you. Don't even think about going home. And Jesus is telling this story to go on a truth campaign. To say, 
this is how much life and fullness of joy is in the Father. And this is how safe it is to come back home when you know you can't fix yourself or save yourself. He will run to you. He will embrace you. He will kiss you. Tender reconciliation. The love of the Father. Have you experienced that? Have you been convinced of the billboards that say, if it's going to be, it's up to me? Just do the work. Follow your passion. Have you gotten to the point where you're going, I thought I would be experiencing life at this point, fullness at this point, joy at this point, and I'm not. But there's guilt inside, and there's shame inside. The Father is scanning the horizon saying, come home. I wait to show mercy. I long to show compassion. This morning, that same Father is calling to you through the Son, come home, and you will experience the same mercy that the Son experienced that Jesus is telling about. Well, that's the love of the Father. What about the restoration of the Son? What's the Son see? You just have to go, what, what does the Son see? He goes, is that Dad? It, is he running? He shouldn't be running right now. Why, why is he running? He sees his father running towards him, lifting up what he's wearing so that he can run even better. He sees his father running towards him, not turning his back and running away from him. But he sees his father turning towards him and running. Again, in that culture, it would have been staggering. You can feel hope rising in the son that he'll actually experience mercy. But if the father feels compassion, what does the, the son feel? Well, it doesn't say what he was feeling in his heart, but we do know what he was feeling. He was feeling his father's embrace. He was feeling his father's arms come around him. I wonder if memories started to go through his mind of, I remember this embrace when I was younger. And I don't know why I ever wanted to leave home. But my father is embracing me right now. I'm sure he's going through like, Dad, I stink. Do you really want to do this? There's pig all over me. And the father is, I don't care. I don't care. You're my son. He's embracing him. The son sees his father running towards him. He feels his father embrace him. And you'll notice what the, the son says. It says in verse 21, it says, The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. You see, this whole story is said in the context of what we call repentance, of what Jesus calls repentance. The first story in Luke chapter 15 is the story of the lost sheep. And Jesus says, so there will be more joy in heaven over a sinner who repents than one who need not repent. And then he uses the story of a lost coin, about how this woman loses this coin and searches and searches and searches until she finds it. And then she calls all of her friends and they celebrate. And he says, so there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than someone who doesn't need repentance. What you're seeing here is genuine repentance. A turning away 
from the son's life in the far country where he was trying to find life and joy and fullness apart from his father, a turning towards the father, an honest acknowledgement of his guilt. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. Honest acknowledgement of guilt. He's saying, I don't deserve mercy. I don't deserve grace. In fact, I deserve the opposite. Please show me mercy. And you'll notice he says, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. And if you remember how he rehearsed it when he was in the far country, he was going to say, okay, all right, Dad, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And make me like one of your hired servants. I'll work off my debt. And you notice how the father interrupts him. Nope, not letting you go there. You don't work off your debt. You simply receive mercy. And so he acknowledges his genuine guilt and he turns to his father's mercy. And it's one of those things where the father could respond by, by his, to his son after he says, I've sinned against heaven and before you, I'm not worthy to be called your son. The father going, you know what, son? I've been kind of overwhelmed with emotion at this point. I love to see you home, but I think you're right. So I think I'm going to get you a job down at uh, DQ or Zaxby's or the new uh, car wash that's gone on down there. And uh, if you can show me that you're faithful in those things and to make some money and start to pay off your debt, if you give that a little bit of time, eventually, I'll let you back in my family. But you've got to show me you're serious. Eventually. And I love that it's not eventually, it's immediately. The father immediately calls his servants. I will say this, um, one of my brothers-in-laws works in the digital billboard business. And uh, if you think of the huge uh, digital billboard that they have at the UGA Stadium, he does those all over the country. He also does ones that you'll see on uh, the highways, ones that you'll see in cities on sidewalks and things like that digitally. And you can almost see this father calling up my brother-in-law going, hey, Derek, um, Hey, there's how many signs do we have in Jerusalem, the digital signs that are walking around? You can hear my brother-in-law Derek say, well, we've got about 13 here in Jerusalem of these digital signs. Well, uh, how much would it cost me to rent all 13 of those signs for about four hours today? Well, it's going to cost about this much. And the father going, wow, that's a lot. Um, hey, this is worth it. I'm going to pay that, and this is what I want. This is the message. I want everybody welcome. Party at 1237 Mercy Lane. Come quickly. It's going to be awesome. Those are the billboards he puts up because he wants everyone in the town to know that he's going to celebrate his coming home. Notice for the son, the restoration that he experiences here in this text is not eventually If we do the work, God will show mercy. But immediately, you'll notice as soon as the the son says these things, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. In verse 22, it says, But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe. Quickly. You see that? The immediacy? Put it on him and put a ring on his hand and put shoes on his feet. Quickly, quickly. Not eventually. Immediately. The love of the father. The restoration of the son. He doesn't say, you know, you were right, work it off. He says, no, 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 right now we are going to party. 
So that's our last point, the party. You'll notice the provisions of unexpected and extravagant grace. The provisions of unexpected and extravagant grace. I wish we could spend more time on it this morning, but we'll have to be brief. He's given the best robe. Whose robe was that? It's likely his father's. The father's saying, the best robe I have, I'm giving it to you. And then he's given a ring. It's a sign of belonging and family and reconciliation. He's given new shoes. His old ones are likely tattered. Notice the verb tenses here in these, this text. It's not the son who's putting these things on. It says, put it on him, the best robe. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf. He's just standing there and it's all coming to him. All he's doing is receiving. Probably and likely in awe. Is this really happening? Is my father really this merciful? Here he gets the best clothes. The way the father shows the depth and extent and heights of his love for his son is by giving him something. The way the father shows you his love is by giving you what was most precious to him his own son. And we are clothed in the perfect righteousness and obedience of Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us and the Father clothes us in Christ in the righteousness of his own son. He welcomes us into his family and he throws a party. You notice not only the provisions of unexpected and extravagant grace but the miracle of unexpected and extravagant grace. The father doesn't go around and saying, we should celebrate because my son finally got wise and he made a good decision and he turned back home. No, even in front of and before all of those things, even the father himself recognizes that the only reason they can celebrate is because a miracle of grace has happened. You'll notice how he says it in verse 24, this my son was dead and is alive again. He's gone from death to life. Listen, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it is because God the Father has shown you mercy in Christ and taken you from death in sin to life in Christ. And this says not only he was dead, but now he's alive. He's lost and he's found. The father is saying, this is a miracle. Anybody who professed faith up here this morning to become a member, that's a miracle. Our children who professed faith this morning, that's a miracle. Dead in sin, we're made alive in Christ. Lost. But now we're found and the father says that is worthy of celebrating. You serve a God. I love it. John Owen says this in his like 8,000 page treatise on Psalm 130. It's really long. Ugh. But he says this. When God forgives, he give, forgives in a rejoicing and triumphant manner. Don't you see that in the Father here? He says, here's my son. I ran to him, I embraced him, I kissed him. Now celebrate with me that he's finally home. Let me mention this just by way of application this morning, and then we'll close. This story is an explanation. If you remember the very beginning of Luke 15, there's tax collectors and sinners there, and there's Pharisees who are grumbling because Jesus eats 
with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus is giving an explanation. Do you know why I go after tax collectors and sinners? Because I'm the embodiment of the Father's heart. I'm the exact image of my Father. I'm the radiance of His glory, it says in Hebrews chapter 1. Do you want to know what the Father's like? Look at me, watch me, and listen to the words I say. That's why I do this. That's why I eat with sinners. That's why I pursue them. That's why I show them grace, because that's what my Father's like. It's an explanation and a demonstration of His ministry. But it's an invitation too. It's an invitation. If you're here this morning and you're seven years old, and you have not yet turned to the Father, the Father this morning through Christ is inviting you to come home. If you're 17 and you're looking for life and joy and fullness somewhere else, the Father is calling you home. It's an invitation to experience a grace that throws parties when you come home. If you're 27, 57, 87, God the Father himself is giving you an invitation through Christ to say you can come home. He's running to you this morning. He can embrace you this morning. We could throw a party because you can go from death to life and lostness to foundness all because of what Jesus has done for you. I wonder if Tim Ferriss was interviewing the prodigal son. Tell me about life in the far country, what it was like, and he tells him. But then you get to the end of the podcast and Tim Ferriss asks the prodigal son, hey, if you had a billboard... What, what, and it was in the most popular part of town where everybody saw it. Everybody could read it. It had a message on there that you wanted to convey to the world. What would you have it say? And I think the son would say, I would put it right up in front of my house and I would sit on my front porch waiting for people to kind of come and maybe ask what it meant. But I would put three words on that billboard. Ran. Embraced and kissed. And if someone knocked on my door and said, what does that mean? I'd be so happy to say, can I tell you how good my father is? That's the billboard God wants us to see this morning. Ran, embraced, and kissed. Amen? Let's pray. Father, so much more could be said about the depths of your compassion for those who desperately need you. We thank you that through this text, this story that Jesus has told, we get a glimpse of your love as our Heavenly Father. That we get a glimpse of how you delight to restore us back to yourself by grace. And how you're a God who throws parties and forgives in a rejoicing, triumphant manner. Father, help us this morning to feel your embrace once again in and through your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.